you know, it took me a few months to look for outside help. And that was the thing that I needed. I think particularly as someone who has been successful, it's hard to admit to myself. It was hard for me to say I couldn't do it by myself. You know, I'm a smart person. I should be able to figure this out. But it completely turned around my approach to finding a new job. Want to make meaningful work that pays well possible for you? Well, guess what? This is an episode of our disappearing series on career happiness. What does that mean? Well, every day this week, we're going to be sharing actual examples of people like you that have made massive changes in their lives. Every day will be a different story, a brand new glimpse into how this career change process works. Every day, a new episode, but then guess what? They disappear. So you'll need to listen to them now before they're gone. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. What if you could fast forward two years? And see how taking the time and effort and energy to make a career change to meaningful work would impact your life. Now, I've learned for many of us, it's really difficult to imagine just how different life would be in the next role, let alone thinking years in the future about how doing meaningful work impacts the other areas of your life. Areas like your finances, your health, your relationships, even how you show up as a spouse or or a parent for your kids. I'm going to give you a clue. It's often much, much more drastic of a difference than what you might realize. The only problem is it's really hard to explain what changes in your life. Really difficult to explain somebody that hasn't experienced it. So here's what we did. We actually talked to Laura two times to be able to show you some of this difference. We talked to her literally a year and a half apart and recorded both of those conversations once right after she made her transition. And then again, 18 or so months later, that way you could hear firsthand two different snapshots in time, exactly what changes and what doesn't and how, how making a career change once to meaningful work that really is an amazing fit. How, when you fast forward into the future, how that looks. (laughs) Some things you're going to be surprised about as we mash these two pieces of audio together so that you can hear them back to back. There's, There's pretty much nothing else like this out there in the world to help you understand exactly whether or not a career change is actually worth it for you because it's it's not easy, but I want you to understand the real impacts, what they are and what they're not. I think this is a struggle for a lot of people, but, you know, in high school, you have to figure out what you're going to major in in college, and you don't really understand what any of that means. And so, for me, I was good at math, and I had some engineers in the family, so I went into engineering. Um, And I did fine, but it always felt a little off to me, Um, and I couldn't quite figure out why, and I couldn't figure out what else I should be doing, so I stuck with it. Um, and so I had, you know, a college degree, master's degree, a few years in the work world and engineering consulting, and the whole time never really felt like it was a good fit for me. 
Um, and so, you know, my first career pivot was actually into sustainability consulting. Um, after a few years working, I went back to grad school with the goal of pivoting. Um, and I landed myself at a really great company that I was at for eight and a half years. Um, and I was excited about it because sustainability is forward looking. Um, it's a, it was a startup feel company, which I was looking for. And I had a lot of freedom to grow really quickly. And so for a while, uh, that felt like a good fit and it felt like something I could be passionate about. And then over time, uh, it just wasn't anymore. Um, but again, I was in the same position that I had had kind of in college and beyond where I didn't know what else to do. And so I just kind of stuck with it, kind of only half thinking about what else I could be doing. So I'm, I'm super curious about, first of all, what do you feel like changed? What, because, I mean, you were excited about it at one point. Yeah. I think in the beginning, um, a new challenge is always exciting. And then I think in that eight and a half years, I had four different roles and the new challenges and the new role were exciting. But the, the length of excitement I had from just learning something new kept getting shorter and shorter. Um, so I think that's one thing that changed. And then by the end, I didn't actually feel like I was learning that much anymore. Um, and for me, that if I'm not learning, I'm not engaged. And I work with a lot of people who are really passionate. And I almost found myself having to pretend to be passionate uh, when I wasn't really feeling it. So that was pretty hard on me. That's interesting. What, what was that like? Clearly, it was difficult, but feeling... Like you had to pretend to be passionate. Yeah, it was tough. And, you know, by the end of, of this past role, I had 10 people reporting to me. A lot of them were early in their career. Um, and I wanted to do a good job of inspiring them. But because I wasn't inspired myself, it made me feel like I was being inauthentic um, to kind of hide the part of myself that wasn't engaged, that wasn't super passionate about our work anymore. Um, and so it just, it, it basically zapped all my energy, um, where I would kind of put on this kind of extroverted fake smile at work every day and then come home and be unhappy. Do you remember when you started to realize that? Oh, I hate to admit this, but it was probably three years ago. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, at the time, our company was going through some management changes and, you know, there are other life things going on. You know, I was trying to start a family um, and all of that combined was just exhausting. Um, and so I think I knew that it wasn't a good fit and I've known that for a long time. But again, without knowing what to do next or even how to think about what to do next, I just felt really stuck. That is, I think that is one of the biggest problems that many people have, especially high achieving people that had gotten into a role similar to you where they were excited about it at one point and you know, they have, have lots of responsibilities and you know, something's changed along the way, but you don't necessarily know what to do next. What yeah. Did, what did uh, what were some of the things that you considered or tried? Because it, you've been thinking about this for years. Yeah. About making a change and, and doing something, but it sounds like kept coming back to that point where 
not entirely sure what to do next. So what were some of the things that you considered or thought about or tried along the way? Yeah, you know, it's a lot of it was staying within the sustainability field. It took me probably a couple years of passive looking and talking to people to figure out that there weren't roles in that field that I was interested in. So I looked at, you know, what is it, what does it mean to do my role, but not as a consultant, but embedded within a product organization, for instance. Um, And I talked to, you know, I would go to sustainability networking events and talk to people in those roles. And um, I just wasn't getting the excitement. I think it excited me for a little bit. And then a lot of the reason that didn't work is a lot of those kind of product manufacturing companies aren't based in Boston and I wanted to be in Boston. So it kind of took a lot of opportunity off the table. Um, and I guess the other thing I tried to do was look internally. So at my own company, we do sell, or my old company, I guess we do sell software and I talked to a bunch of people for a couple of years about product management in the software that we sell. So that's basically the role I'm taking at a new company, but I was talking about doing it at my old company. And, um, you know, the team, the software team was in Germany. So, and it was also having a lot of trouble. So it just never really worked out. Um, You know, I, I talked about doing more marketing at my old company. And again, the marketing team was having some struggles. So it wasn't it really wasn't going to work out. Um, I think maybe if I had stayed another year, I could have pivoted in my existing organization into one of those roles. But, you know, at that point, I, I was ready to, to actually just kind of make, make the jump and leave the company. What, uh, what made you feel ready to be able to make the jump and like what, what actually took place? Was it just the culmination of all those conversations and realizing, Hey, it's not going to happen here. Or was it something else? What, uh, what made you feel like, Hey, at that point I was, I was just ready to leave. You know, I think what's, I think I knew I was ready to leave for a long time, but what actually made me take the steps to leave is a little bit different. And so, um, you know, I was on maternity leave for, seven, eight months or so. And I met a lot of working moms as part of that and had a lot of career conversations with them. And one of them recommended to me a career coach who was based in Boston, who's a older woman who'd been working at Radcliffe for, you know, years and years and had her own private practice. And I actually finally decided to kind of invest in career coaching. And so I had one session with this woman And I had like a mile and a half walk home. And the thing that really stuck to me is that it was the first time I'd ever heard that there were tools and processes to help me figure this out, that I didn't have to just think about it and look at job postings, but that I could do other type of work to think about what I wanted to do next. And she said something to me about, I can't recommend a book for you. It's very personal, but find a book you want to read about career change. And that's your first bit of homework. And my reaction was, I don't like reading really, but I love podcasts. And I had this mile and a half walk home where I was really excited and I found your podcast. And so I listened to it on my way home and then I kind of binge listened to it for a week, which is, I think the point where we talked for the first time. And all of a sudden I heard all these stories and tools about things that I could do that didn't it was okay that I didn't know what I wanted to do. I could still take steps to figuring out what I could do next. 
That is interesting. You know what? I didn't actually realize that's that's how it happened. That is yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> and, and now, <laughs> not that long later, you're on the podcast. And yeah, <laughs> one and, of my personal goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah check. <laughs> Before we hit record, you were talking about uh, you built this list of of national parks that you wanted to go see, and you just yeah. recently gone to Yosemite. So now you've got you've got several things checked off a list. Way to way That's to awesome. go! <laughs> Thank you. Feels good. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have so many questions because okay. I think that there's so much for other people to learn too that are in that same space or have been in that same space where they aren't sure what to do and and want to know what to do next and you were kind enough to bring us along for the ride and allow us to sit uh, a sit co-pilot uh on on this journey and it's it's been a bit of whirlwind how long did it take from when you found the podcast to accepting a job offer oh boy okay um i think it was probably april or may that we first talked and I accepted a job offer about a month ago. So whatever that math is. <laughs> I was trying I, to do the calendar it, math too. It's, <laughs> it's about six to yeah. nine months probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right in seven-ish, seven-ish months someplace in okay. there. And what you, you started listening to the podcast, had this realization that, hey, there is there are things that I can do. And then you, you, you talked to us and you ended up joining Career Change Boot Camp, and we started getting the opportunity to be able to help you along the way. But I, I, that that was just the beginning. I'm, yeah. I'm curious in going through this this process. What were some of the apprehensions that that you had, as you said about? Is <laughs> you said about going <laughs> and figuring out, hey, here's here's what I might want to do, and then ultimately uh, moving through each step. Yeah, I think I mean the biggest apprehension I think is that what you don't realize is when you're in a, a spot that you're where you're unhappy and you've been unhappy for a while, you lose some of your confidence about everything that you've accomplished. So, you know, from the outside, someone looking at my resume would be impressed, but I was looking at it and I hated it. Right. Uh, It didn't, I wasn't proud of anything that I had been doing because I wasn't happy doing it. And that didn't mean I didn't understand that there were some impressive things on there. It just didn't feel like me and it didn't feel uh, impressive to me because I didn't enjoy the process of doing it. Um, And so I think a lot of, that that lack of confidence is like tied into kind of the anxiety of trying to figure it out, right? What if there is nothing for me? What if I'm always unhappy at a job? And I think there is this whole mentality out there that that's normal to kind of be unhappy in your job. And I was starting to get to the point where I was maybe resigned to that being the case. Um, I also think, you know, in the process, I had my daughter and I took a lot of time off and thought, well, you know, maybe I want to be a stay at home mom. And I quickly realized that kudos to everyone who does, but it's not for me. I need a lot more adult uh, conversation, a lot more intellectual stimulation from from my work. Um, And so that was like another kind of thing I explored, I guess, job I explored that wasn't the right fit. Um, but there's a lot of emotion tied into all of that, right? 
it's not just a, unfortunately, it's not just a check the box exercise. It would it's be a lot so about, much easier if it was. <laughs> it would be so it? much easier. Yeah. Um, we probably wouldn't have this podcast if it was as simple as that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that was a big apprehension for me. Um, going through the course, you know, the, the first few weeks are a lot about self-reflection and I love that. And uh, actually it's part of the funny story about my new job is that as I was doing Strength Finder in Career Change Bootcamp, I was kind of talking my husband's ear off about how I loved behavioral assessments and how I wish I could talk about them all day. And <laughs> man, I wish that was a job. And then, you know, a few months later, I found basically that job, which is pretty awesome. Um, but then, you know, you get into the part where you really have to be vulnerable and you have to kind of go and talk to people and, and try to meet new people. And there was definitely a lot of apprehension around that as well. So it's, first of all, I love, and I've, I've heard variations of that story so many times, and it just makes me so happy that we get to be a part of any of those stories where, uh, in this case, you at one point were talking your husband's ear off about, Hey, I, I, I just love this self-assessment type, uh, type thing. And it would be super cool if I could do something like this and be able to be immersed in this world all day. And then now you're, now you're going to be. And yeah. absolutely love that. And I'm so proud of you for, for going from that end to the completely opposite end, uh, because that's not an easy thing to do as we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, what, what, what was most difficult as you started flipping from the internal and reflection side, which, um, which is often the way that we'll work with, with our students and clients, uh, we will go through the, we'll go through those internal side and really get the best hypothesis of what's going to be great for great for you. But then at some point you have to flip into, okay, how does this mesh up with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. and as you were going through that section, what was, what was hardest for you? You know, I think I had this idea of the company culture I wanted, right? I'm a casual person. I like wearing jeans to work. I like flexible hours yeah. and, um, you know, wanted a ping pong table in my office, which is just kind of a funny indication of the type of culture I was looking for. Right. And, um, but I didn't know what work I wanted to do. Right. So it's great to have a good company culture. And I had that before, but it's not enough because I wanted to work. That was actually exciting to me as well. Um, so that was the hardest part is to think about the work, but also as you and Lisa would keep pointing out is like, figure out the work later. Like just, you just have to start somewhere, start talking to people, start learning, um, about what other people do. Um, and I think for me, a huge mental barrier as well is, is that I felt really naive about what type of jobs were out there. And I felt insecure about how little I knew about what other job opportunities were out there. Um, and so the process of having to talk to people about what they do and what it actually means, as well as continuing to listen to the podcast where people were sharing stories about the work they do that step in itself just really helped me understand what opportunities there were, even though some of them I dismissed pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a common thing. And I've heard that quite a bit, you know, feeling, feeling naive about what types of jobs are out there. And 
I, I think that that, I don't think anybody knows all the types of jobs that are out there. Um, <laughs> we've got exposure to a whole bunch of them just because of the nature of the type of work that we do. But I was going to say, it, Scott, maybe, you know, all the jobs. Are out there. <laughs> we know all the jobs for all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it would be that even might be easier if we did too, to, to help people in that way. But if only there was a list, that's another thing. Yeah. Here too. If only there was a list I could just go through and, and pick. And it isn't, it isn't that easy because even if we knew all the types of jobs, there's still other elements and other variables that come into play and it becomes this somewhat complex problem of, of picking out the variables that are most useful and relatable and relevant, uh, to, to you and how you work. And, and I'm curious, what was it about this, this process of going and talking to people? Because from getting to know you just a little bit through the, through the program and having chatted a couple of times and having had the pleasure of, uh, of helping you negotiate, um, it seems like you, you benefit a lot from conversation. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the, I'll go back to that kind of first session I had with this woman who's local to Boston, this career coach, and her approach was a bit different than yours. And I, I didn't love it because she wanted me to read a book about each career option, um, which, as I mentioned, not the best way for me to learn. It also is a big time commitment. And she wanted me to do that before I I talk to anyone um, because I, you know, when you talk to people, you're taking up some of their time and you want to be knowledgeable about what you're asking. So that did, that didn't feel great for me. Of course, I, w- I could have done it, um, but I wasn't excited about it. But I know that I learn best by talking to people. Um, and the opportunity to talk to all these people in different roles added a ton of, of value to me. I think Um, one, I got to see a little bit about company culture, depending on if people were willing to talk to me or not, which is kind of a funny thing. And I also will now always talk to someone who's looking and wants to talk to me. Right. It Um, changes that perspective. It it? it does. (laughs) Yeah. And I was actually hiring someone as I was looking to be hired right in my current role. And so it put a different lens on it. Um, but you know, I think, I was really nervous about talking to people, about making sure that I had something intelligent to say or had good questions to ask. So I did a lot of preparation, which is kind of my style to over-prepare when I'm anxious about something. So what type of I would preparation at, would you do? Oh, you're going to answer. Yeah. Well, I'd looked at their LinkedIn profile um, and I would come up with a list of questions that I wanted to talk to them about. And for people who don't know, I mean, the the idea is like a 15 minute phone call, which is really not a lot of questions, but I would have probably 10 for every person I talked to. And I would try to make them personal. And I would try to make sure I knew where they went to school, what common interests we had, um, anything like that, that could help me relate to them. Because while I really like working with people, I have trouble with that kind of first introduction part. Um, I get really nervous, like walking into a room and introducing myself to someone new. But if someone introduced me to that person, I'm, I'm very comfortable. So there's this kind of hurdle that I needed to get over to be able to have all those conversations where I could ask these questions. Um, and I, I literally would ask questions and sometimes they would ask about me or ask how they could help me. Uh, but most of the time they just told me about what they did day to day. Um, and, 
I think I talked to probably 20, 25 people. And that's a lot, that's a lot of kind of time and hours to learn about what other people do. Um, and it, it made me feel less naive, right, about what all the opportunities are. It made me feel much more empowered to make a decision about different types of roles that could be a good fit for me. What were some of the things that you learned through that portion of, of the process? Yeah, I think I learned that for me, the, my network and using people I actually knew to get connected was really helpful, um, that the cold calling part was hard for me. Um, and I would, so what I would do during these conversations is I would take notes and then I would go back and read through them and highlight um kind of the pieces that resonated with me. Uh, and one of the questions that I really liked asking was kind of what makes you great at your job? And then when I would hear people say things that I'm interested in, um, you know, can relate to people kind of ability to make decisions quickly without all the information. Um, yeah, just kind of a, a list of, of things that resonated with me or that I was excited about. I would kind of highlight those. And then I would see that, you know, the product management role actually could be a really good fit for me because all of these people are saying things that I'm good at um, and, and that I enjoy doing, which is, a, is also, I think, something I learned through the process. Maybe not through those phone calls specifically, but through the whole career change boot camp is that there's a big difference between things you're good at and things you enjoy. Sometimes they're the same, but they're not always the same. <laughs> yes. Yes, very much. And we're absolutely encouraging people to center in and lean into those that happen to fall into both categories. Yeah. And, and it sounds like, you know, it was, it, it was interesting for me yeah, going back because I, you were working primarily with one of our, our coaches, Lisa Lewis, yeah. and I would get tidbits. She would either send me an email or uh, you would CC me on something and get tidbits into what was, uh, what was going on in the different, the different steps along the way. And I would say that it, it wasn't necessarily always an easy road for you. And yeah. I'm I'm curious what you felt like were some of the most challenging parts. And I know we chatted just a little bit before we hit the record button here, but I'm I'm particularly curious about what you'd mentioned to me about going into a lull and yeah, and getting out of that because I think that that is real. That's that's human, and to some degree, we all do that sort of thing. So, what tell us about that, and then what worked for you? Yeah, you know, I think um, having a program that I was following was really important to me because I needed the homework and I needed to, to check the boxes as I went through the weeks. Um, and where I spent the most time was in this um, test drive method, right, is, is having these, these phone calls. And so what would happen is I'd spend, you know, two to four hours and I'd research all these people and I'd get uh, introduced and I'd, I'd set up phone calls. And then all of a sudden I'd have, you know, four phone calls in one week that I was trying to juggle with, uh, you know, nap time on Fridays and work time Monday through Thursday. Um, and I'd have like, get it all in. I'd get, I'd have the conversations. I'd take the notes. It'd be great. I'd send follow-up emails and follow-up thank you notes. And then after doing four or five of those in a few weeks of, of, between the scheduling and the talking and the follow-up, I was just tired, 
right? And so be like, okay, I, I did that. Um, I know I'm supposed to have three more phone calls this week, but I didn't have any lined up. I didn't even know who the next people I were going to be talking to were. And so I would often then kind of have a week or two where in the back of my head, I would know I would need to do that again. But maybe I would I would take a break. I'd go on vacation. I'd say that I was too busy. Or uh, sometimes I would do some of the other homework that I, I felt more comfortable in, some of the internal stuff, like going back to my signature strengths or even skipping ahead to look th- and think about my resume. Um, and I think, you know, what got me to keep going back, I think one, like I said, is having this course where I knew I had other things I needed to do, uh, knowing that I was accountable to Lisa, my coach, but I think for the first time really being accountable to myself to get this done. And a lot of it was just like, all right, I don't want to do this right now, but I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend four hours on a Saturday working on this and moving forward. And then you get another flurry of phone calls and follow-ups and and scheduling, right? And then it kind of happened in in many cycles like that, I would say. And it kind of sounds like almost the the flurry of phone calls and, and scheduling and everything that came along with it was almost the dose of motivation to keep going or to pull you back in to some degree. It, am, am I reading that right? Or how, how did you feel about those? Cause it sounds like you're referring yeah, to Yeah. It's a little bit of both. I think a lot of it is um, those conversations were really energizing for me, but I would still leave them being like, well, I still don't know where I'm going to work next. So I'm happy that I'm talking to all these people and learning all these things, but I didn't see the end goal. And so um, I think I tend to be push myself to be more extroverted than I am. And so I think there was an element of those conversations that was draining for me as well. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of both, but knowing that the conversations were good made it easy to be like, okay, I took a week off. Let's get some more on the calendar. Um, very cool. And, yeah. and with those conversations and initially as you went into those conversations, you, you had said, Hey, I, I still don't know where this is going to end up leading. And clearly that right. part was uncomfortable for you. And there, yeah. is, there is some of that discomfort type reality that when you're going through and trying to identify what is a great situation for you and what is a great career opportunity for you, that there sometimes it sometimes it is hard to see that light at the end of the tunnel no matter whether you have a a, a system and whether you know we've had many other people go through it before it's still when you're in the thick of it can be challenging so what 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 point did you start to see that that light come back yeah it's interesting cuz i you know there were a couple people i spoke with and their companies were interesting and they had job openings and there were offering to help me get my resume in the door. Um, and I, I kind of said no, right? I said, you know, I, I'm not sure this is the wrong fit, but I'm not sure it's the right fit yet. And I don't want to apply to something I'm not super excited about. So like, I need some time. I need to, to figure that out. Um, and that was hard to do as well because I, because I wasn't particularly happy, the idea of an end um, was tempting, Right. Yeah. Uh, an end that could be really cool and I'm sure would be a great opportunity, but maybe didn't hit 
the lifestyle choices I wanted or the day-to-day work that I wanted. Um, but I, so I think what changed is that when I started talking to people at PI, I was not just excited about the company or the people, but all of a sudden the role sounded exciting too. Um, and I talked to a lot of people there and they were like, everyone I talked to was so willing to give me their time and their kind of openly tell me about what the day to day was. And I just, it was such a great group of people. I mean, I got introduced through a friend of a friend and the kind of head of marketing there, like easily handed me three more names of people I could talk to on the team. And that in itself was kind of an indication to me of how generous kind of the the culture is. Um, Because when you're busy and and of course startups and everyone is busy, right? Especially at a startup culture. And when they're willing to not just give you their time, but also time of their team members and other other colleagues. um, I think that says a lot about the company. So all of those things combined um, started getting me excited about a job at PI specifically, um, which was kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, but then also, of course, a little stressful because if that's uh, after all this and I've talked to all these people, if that's the job and the company I'm excited about uh, and I'm putting kind of some eggs in that basket that that puts a a lot of pressure on myself well, to I hope rem- that it works out. Yeah. And I remember that, that switch flipping there where yeah. you sent me the email and said, and Lisa too, and said, okay, I found this company that I want. <laughs> now yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's How next? do I get it? <laughs> exactly. And what did, what did you end up doing? Help fill in that part of the story for, for people, because essentially at this point, as I understand it, this was this was your number one company at the at the time yeah. where it's like hey i i i like this i want this <laughs> let's right. let's make this happen so what what yeah. happened at that point well i think you know a lot of the conversation that i had with you and with lisa was really helpful to say a couple things you know i think you were really helping me understand the right way to approach the conversation how to continue to build a partnership to really actually make sure that i wasn't uh, like that I was actually excited about the role um, while building this partnership and relationships with the hiring manager there. Um, and I think what Lisa did as well was, you know, I, I mentioned before that because I wasn't super happy with the work I was doing before, it made it hard for me to feel confident in myself. And so she really helped me kind of remind me that I had a lot to bring to the table and that I would be a good fit, not just for me, but also for the company that I could do a lot for them. Um, and because I'm so passionate about it, that's, you know, one of the reasons that I'd be a good fit there. Um, I mean, the, <laughs> the PI's whole thing is about uh, engaging employees, right? And when people are engaged, they bring a lot more to the table. And so, being able to be myself and show how authentically interested I was was kind of the primary thing that I focused on through the hiring process. How do you recommend, having just been through this, I, th- I think what you just described is very difficult in terms of being able to be yourself or at least be confident enough to be yourself through that hiring process and share, share that part, because it is, it is some level of vulnerability, right? 
But yeah, what absolutely. advice would you have to other people that are getting ready to go through that or are going through that? Yeah, you know, I think um, if you found a role that really does line up with what you're looking for and something you're excited about and the strengths you bring to the table, then it's much less important that you know how to answer a million behavioral questions and much more important that you get yourself in a headspace to be yourself and be the confident version of yourself in those conversations. Um, It's a lot easier to say than it is to do. Right. And I think, I don't, I think Lisa maybe had a tip. I can't remember if it was you, Scott or Lisa about, you know, um, listen to a song before your interview that gets you pumped up. Or I think Lisa said, watch a video of your daughter, like, just do yoga, go running in the morning, do something that isn't, that calms you down, right? Um, Or if you're a calm person that hypes you up, whichever way. Um, And I think that was really valuable advice. And I think I did a mock interview with Lisa and I had prepared all these answers and I'd been kind of, I like writing. So I, I write down a lot of things that sound great on paper. And then as soon as you try to say them, you kind of stumble over it and it doesn't, come out right. Um, And she was pointing out to me that I would switch from myself to like the interview version of myself. And the interview version of myself is much more boring. Right. And so just that in itself, like after that, I actually kind of stopped preparing for the interview and started thinking more about how can I be myself with these people like I had been on the phone calls because I was comfortable there. So how do I go into an interview and, and figure out how to just be myself? That is super cool. And I'll, I'll even distinguish you, you mentioned earlier being the confident version of yourself. Yeah. And that is that I think is a small but critical distinction too, because um, we can go through as humans, all of these head games where it's just like, I'm just, I'm just not confident anymore, or I'm just not a confident person anymore or whatever else. But I don't, I don't think that that is true. And I don't think that is helpful for any of us to be able to tell ourselves because we all have, just like you pointed out a place where we can be a confident version of, of ourself. And that's, that's, that's the both genuine plus helpful uh, version to be. So that's interesting that you started preparing for, uh, for focusing more on being yourself rather than focusing on doing the quote unquote right thing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So <laughs> we just covered a lot of ground here over, yes. over seven months. How, how does, how does that feel looking back? Does that feel like a long time? Does it feel super quick? I'm, I'm always curious about that. You know, I think, I had a goal for myself starting in January that I'd have a new job by the end of this calendar year. So that's exciting. Right. And you Um, did it. I did it. And I set that goal and I was like, God, a year's a long time. Right. Um, So it's a little bit of both. It's in the trenches. It felt like a long time. I knew it wasn't going to be a month, right. Two months. I knew that I needed to do a lot of the searching internally to figure out what I was looking for before I could find it. Um, so I think, you know, parts of those seven months or so felt long. Um, the, usually actually the parts where I was in a lull and wasn't doing much, 
I think for me, action and moving towards the direction speeds things up, or at least made me feel better about the time that it was taking. Yeah. Um, but now looking back on it, I mean, the difference from where I am today versus where I was at the beginning of the year is, is incredible. Um, not just in the fact that I have a new job, but my mentality about my career, about my potential in a career, um, kind of the optimism that I gained through the, the process um, is, yeah, it feels very different in a very good way. So what, what is, uh, it is a completely different place and it's been super cool for us to be able to see some of those changes along the way. But what, what do you feel like that is meant for you? other than some of the additional optimism that you have going into 2018 here. Yeah. What, uh, what do you feel like that's meant for you? Oh, it means a lot. You know, I think having just had a daughter, um, which is amazing. Of course, she's almost two now. I guess I can't say just anymore. Um, it, I think for moms in general, that you tend to shift all your focus away from yourself and now on to this kind of little creature that you brought into the world. And it's amazing, but it's also really hard to, to find time for yourself to take care of yourself. Um, and I think for me, the career part is what I put most on hold. And again, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do, but partly cause I, it felt hard and I was focused on something else. So now to be able to be kind of, a mom when I'm home, but then the idea of going to work and being happy at work too, it's, it's all, it's just a very different way. Um, yeah, it just feels very different, right? If you're going to leave your house, um, leave your, your kid with someone else, you'd hope that you're doing something fun while you're out of the house. Right. Um, and that's something that I really didn't have. And now I'm really optimistic that I'll have that going forward. And I'm also optimistic that now it won't take me three years if I am unhappy again in the future. That is, you know, I, <laughs> when we, when we get the opportunity to work with people, I know that that is what initially people are very focused on the change that's now. Yeah. But I think personally, having done this for, <laughs> for a while and being able to <laughs> witness a lot of changes, I think that's the, the most valuable part. In the in the long run is just knowing how to knowing how and having the confidence to be able to make changes for when something else in life changes, because yeah. it will. I mean, it, it absolutely will. And it, it's going to be something It's going to be, uh, you know, a promotion opportunity or it's going to be, I don't know, your boss leaves or there's going to be something there. Right. Laura? Right. Of course. And that is so cool that you feel prepared for yeah. when that happens the next time around. Absolutely. And I think that's where some of the optimism comes from. I feel empowered to kind of be in charge of my career again. Woohoo! I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything else to say. That is that is what I wanted to add right right then and there. That is amazing. Awesome. I am I am so proud of you and Lisa is so proud of you and we've shared your story with with our team already. Uh, we we do that behind the scenes for every single person that 
that ends up hitting hitting their goals or getting the results that they wanted to. We share that around on we use Slack for team communications nice. and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So we have a woohoo channel. <laughs> that's uh, that's where your story got shared as soon as it happened. So woohoo awesome. to to you too, and now you get to share in that as well. And I, you have just done a phenomenal job. And you know, before before we wrap it up, I am I'm curious for if you're reaching way back to a year ago where you resolved that you, and you made the commitment, Hey, look, I want to, this is, this is the year. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, been thinking about this for a, for a couple of years now, and now I'm going to do something about it. This is the year. What advice would you give to people that are in that spot that are just, just setting down this path to be able to be able to make the change? Yeah. I think, you know, it took me a few months to look for outside help. And that was the thing that I needed. I think particularly as someone who has been successful, it's hard to admit to myself. It was hard for me to say I couldn't do it by myself. Um, You know, I'm a smart person. I should be able to figure this out. But as soon as I, you know, had my first career coaching experience, it completely turned around my approach to finding a new job. Um, and it completely gave me the power back and the tools that I needed to do it. So I think, you know, if you know exactly what you want to do you're well, you're probably not listening to this podcast. Um, but if you don't <laughs> just know that there, there are a lot of tools and resources and people out there who can help you. Um, and for me, that made all the difference. That is amazing. Well, I am so glad that it did. Thank you for letting us hang along for the, for the ride and getting to, <laughs> Uh, getting to help you at every little point. I, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And you and Lisa and the whole team has been a pleasure to work with. And I, like I said, I w- I've been talking to everyone about your program. And I, I just think the best of the work that you do and, and the tools that you put out. Well, we, we very much appreciate that. Thank you for spreading the good word. <laughs> and uh, keep, uh, keep it up. Do not let us stop you. That, was, that is phenomenal. <laughs> Laura, thank you so very much. And... Congratulations again at moving into your new role. That is amazing. Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate it. Okay, just a reminder that was audio from right after she had accepted the role, shortly after she had accepted the role. Now, I want to share with you audio. If we go make a fast forward sound, 18 months in the future, 18 months after that happens. That way you can hear what are the real differences and compare them back to back. And what are some of the changes? Now, there's a lot of subtleties here, things that might not totally make sense to you until you've made this type of change for yourself. But I want you to listen close for those and see what you can pick up. Here's Laura again in the future. Yeah, I think career wise, I was surprised. I mean, not, I guess surprised is a little strong word, but I didn't expect that it would take so long for me to feel comfortable in a new role. I think having been in a position where I knew exactly what I needed to do all the time, so much so that I was bored, and then going from that to new company, new role, kind of high pace environment, it was it was a lot of kind of struggle. And I was really happy to have made the change, but then I was working really hard to figure out okay, how do I become an expert in this new position? How do I learn all of the things? And there's a lot of things in a product management role, if anyone's familiar with one, so that I could feel like I was really thriving again in a new, in a new place. So, 
you know, year and a half, I've kind of launched and been responsible for launching a new product, software product at the company. I've worked with a handful of different uh, scrum teams or engineers who build the software with various focuses, kind of moving from new product development to thinking about retention goals and really just learning how to understand the customer perspective, how to make sure the entire organization knows what you're up to because in kind of the world of product management, you're making decisions that affect a lot of people. And it's important that those people understand why and aren't surprised when when things change and, and things change all the time. So really, I feel like I've spent the last year and a half kind of owning that role and, and getting up to speed on how to be a successful product manager and how to navigate all of the nuances of that. Let me ask you about that because obviously many of the people that are listening right now are considering different types of occupations, different types of careers, and trying to decide for themselves what really is truly right for them. So from a product manager, there's a lot of people out there that probably don't necessarily that maybe have an idea of what product manager is on a regular basis or does. But can you provide a, just a little bit more context or maybe even some yeah. of the things that surprised you that that you didn't know that a product manager did and got to find <laughs> out and learn over the last year? Yeah, well, I mean, I was one of those people who didn't know what a product manager was. I saw it popping up on more and more friends LinkedIn profile titles, but really didn't know myself. So a product manager in particular, a software product manager is responsible for setting kind of the goals and the roadmap for the software and then turning in those kind of translating those business goals into like work products that the software engineers can develop and put out into the world. So there's a couple of things in that. One of them is in order to understand what you should build, you really need to understand the customer. And you can do that through data analytics. We have data that shows, you know, how many times people clicked on different buttons in the software. And probably more importantly, you talk to a lot of clients or customer facing departments, people on the ground who kind of feel the pain and have this customer empathy. And I mentioned kind of the, the cross team communication as well. Because I went from a, a manager role to an individual contributor role. But what's interesting about product management is that you need to be an influential leader, which means you don't know one reports to you, but you have to be able to have everyone kind of rally around you and your vision so that you can get the work done that needs to be done. It seems like from most of the product managers that I've interacted with in a lot of different industries and companies, some of them have teams, but most of them do not in a lot of mm -hmm. different ways. And it seems like that influencing piece and project management type piece is very, very key. Is that, is that fair? Is that, uh, I'm outside looking in, but, uh, would you agree with that? And if so, where? Yeah, I totally agree with the influencing part. I would say I was a project manager in my last role What's different about product management is that in projects, they talk about waterfall, but the idea is that you have chunks of work that's dependent on other work and you look really far out in advance. With a lot of product management or agile product development, you're trying to move much quicker than that. So you don't actually want to know what's happening in six months. You're trying to react really quickly to what's going on so you can make changes quickly, test things, see if they're working. If they're not working, try something else. And the idea is you don't want to invest a ton of time and, and money and energy in something for six months to find out six months later it was the wrong place to put your bets. So you're kind of 
moving much more quickly in that way. And it's been a shift for me to, to stop thinking like a project manager and try to start thinking like a product manager. That's interesting. You know, something I heard you say maybe two or three minutes ago was about getting back to that point where you were, you called it thriving. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one of the things that I, I recall from some of our conversations over the last however long it's been was that one thing that you were really adamantly wanting was that additional challenge. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm almost I'm almost hearing like you got exactly what you wanted, <laughs> yes. but be careful what you wish for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so help, help me help me understand <laughs> what about that was wonderful for you, and what about that was different than you anticipated when you set about saying, "Hey, you know, I, I definitely want a new and different challenge." Because in some ways, it sounds like you got exactly that. Exactly. Yeah, I think be careful what you wish for is a good one. You know, it's interesting. I, people ask about kind of the work and it is an incredibly challenging job. It's a really high pace environment that I work in, really high expectations on individuals and teams. And of course, that can be really trying, but I really enjoy that I'm being challenged and I'm exhausted because I'm working hard and I'm learning every day and that there's always room for improvement. Whereas I would leave work before exhausted because I was bored and I was kind of frustrated with myself for continuing to be bored. So I still leave work exhausted. It's just that now the exhaustion is from kind of flexing my brain and and personal development and kind of much more excitement about the work that I'm doing and being invested in it. What do you feel like is the difference from your perspective in how that feels? Because at the end of the day, all, I shouldn't say all, most routes going through life are mm-hmm. hard. Most, yeah. most work of many different types is hard in one way or another. A lot of the times it can, it can be exhausting, but you're describing two different types of exhaustion. So I'm curious in your mind, what is the difference in the feeling associated with those two different types of exhaustion? Yeah, I think it's a happy exhausted or a depressed exhausted, right? So I think that manifests itself in a lot of ways. So I'm really busy, but I'm also very happy, which means I'm focused on other parts of my life and improving those areas like, you know, taking care of myself, exercising, eating better, any sort of personal development, I feel like I have more of an appetite for because I'm in a a different brain space where, you know, I'm happy at work, I'm challenged at work, I'm proud of the work I'm doing and the learning. So that's kind of counter to the state I was in before where I was really, I was almost getting down on myself for not making a change so much so that it impacts the rest of my life because I was feeling a loss of confidence loss of motivation, kind of just generally discouraged overall. That's really interesting. That's a really interesting observation. It almost sounds like the period of time beforehand, Mm -hmm. it was (laughs) that type of exhaustion was almost taking over everything where now you're describing still like at the end of the day, that more happy exhaustion, but you also mentioned in the same sentence, being able to focus on other areas of your life too, versus it just having completely yeah. take over. Is that accurate how I'm perceiving it? And two, what else would you add to that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely accurate. I think more that I have the motivation to kind of improve other parts of my life as well. 
I'd say whether or not work takes over, maybe a little. You know, I think about work more than I'm in the office for sure. Most of the time I leave work and go home and I want to finish whatever it was I was doing. Sometimes it's because there's, you know, a deadline or pressure, but most of the time it's because I actually just want to get it done and, and see it through. So there's, I have to be a little careful with myself and, and two young kids to make sure I can, you know, shut it down at the door and at least for a few hours. But yeah, I think it, there's just something about if you're happy at work or if you feel proud of the work you're doing, I think that just spills over into your confidence and kind of your life in general. Hmm. That's really interesting. So when you said the words back to thriving earlier, mm-hmm. what, what, what did you mean when you use that word thriving? What, is, what does that mean in your mind? To me, I've always been a high achiever and I've set really high goals for myself from school to work. And in the previous job, I was, you know, I was a top performer. I got promotions every few years. I had all these opportunities. And I think a lot of the thriving now that I'm striving for is kind of more just confidence in myself and my abilities that, you know, I can be an expert and a a senior product manager and that I have all the skills and knowledge to kind of do the job well, where, you know, I spent my at least eight years in my last career. So I had eight years to perfect that. And now it's been a year and a half. And so there's, there's always some of that feeling of, oh, you know, I haven't done this my whole career, maybe I'm missing something. Um, But the more I've learned, and the more I spend time with other people in product management roles, I think I realize that the struggles are role related as opposed to, to me related. And I would say in the beginning, that was something I really struggled with. Is this hard because I need to do something different? Is this hard because that the role is hard? Or is this hard because of some other factor like, you know, the company situation? And so being able to untangle that has really helped me feel more confident as well. How much do you think that is related to, well, let me give you some context before I ask the question. <laughs> I heard you say earlier about, hey, well, you know, I, I keep thinking about some of the work and I want to get it done. It's something that I want to push forward. So that indicates to me that some of those things are things that you you care about in one way or mm-hmm. another, right? Yeah. So how much do you think that for you, those challenges are there <laughs> because you you know care about the work or what happens with it or something in, in one way or another versus if that weren't if that weren't a problem, there would probably be a different mm-hmm. problem if you didn't care about the work. Maybe that was more in the last situation, I'm unsure. But <laughs> yeah. help me separate out how you're thinking about that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think personally, I tend to feel a lot of accountability towards other people. So I don't want to let myself down, but I also don't want to let other people down. And in a role in an organization where there's never enough time in the day for everything, I think part of that is driving me to want to wrap things up. But I also would say that I don't think I could be a product manager at every type of company. I think the reason I can do it where I am now is because I am passionate about the mission of the company, the work that we're doing, uh, and I really believe in it. And I, I don't think that I would be happy in this role if that weren't the case, because it is a hard role that is challenging and kind of takes up a lot of my brain space in and out of the office. Yeah. 
Interesting. Totally different question, but I'm curious. Sure. <laughs> as you have gotten the opportunity to learn more and more of what creates more fulfilling work for you, and I've heard you mention and allude to a few of those pieces that create that more meaningful and more fulfilling work for you on an ongoing basis. But how has that understanding impacted your life, your family, your work over the last year and a half? I think I mentioned that being happy in my career has kind of opened a lot of doors for me mentally outside of the office, focusing on kind of being the best parent I can or taking care of myself. So that's definitely a big change. I think it also kind of just helps, it helps me think about you know, what I want next in my career. So I know that I enjoy roles where I can have a seat at the table and where I can make decisions. That's something I've kind of learned about myself in general. So I like being in charge (laughs) for better or worse, right? Just even knowing that little bit. And that's something I, I actually learned kind of through some of the tools at my organization kind of switched on its heels what I thought about myself, right? I thought that I really was motivated. And I even said this already by people, but it's a different thing. I don't necessarily want to hang out and meet new people all the time. That stresses me out. It doesn't always fulfill me. It drains me in a different way. But when I get to kind of work with people on ideas that I'm passionate about, or when I get to have a seat at the table, that's when I get energy. So all of that self-awareness has really kind of impacted how I approach work. And it's also something I can come back to when I say, is this still true? Does this role still meet those needs that I have from kind of just what I enjoy doing at work? That's really interesting. I think something that's very subtle and can be lost easily in the conversation, I just want to take a moment to both provide some context as well as ask you a few questions about one of the, I hear you starting getting into some of the layers underneath the people aspect, Mm -hmm. because you said, Hey, you know, I originally thought that I was really motivated by, you know, interacting with people and, and that's partially true, but only in certain circumstances. (laughs) And once you get into the layers and the context surrounding that, that really starts to give you more and more of those keys is what I'm hearing. But I wanted to provide just a little bit additional context to what we see, because I think it can be easily missed. A lot of times we'll get people that are just a few years into their career all the way to $350,000 income earning executives that we'll talk to. And both of them will say things like, Hey, I've got these strengths and I really want to help people more. And that's a lot of times where the conversation starts, but it really gets you closer and closer and closer to creating an ideal life and ideal career, the more that you understand that nuance. So mm-hmm. before I ask my question, I just want to give you a compliment because you've done a really great job, both the point in time when we got the opportunity to work with you and then through the last year and a half, understanding that nuance more and more and more. So here's yeah. my actual question. What <laughs> advice would you give other people that want to understand more of that context and nuance? Because it always is slightly different than what you set out thinking it might be just like in your case here? Yeah. You know, one of the exercises I did with you in the program was kind of write down the moments in your day that make you happy and maybe some of the ones that don't. Right. And try to start to untangle what is it about that meeting that you enjoyed 
or didn't enjoy, right? It's not all, not all meetings are the same. Is it that you were with people that you know and have a great relationship with versus people you've never met before? You know, was it that you felt like you could contribute or for other circumstances you couldn't? So what is it about those kind of day-to-day life and work moments? And there's, you know, probably hundreds within a day that kind of either pump you up or kind of push you down. And if you can start looking at those and categorizing them, you might be able to see kind of how the situations are different from a different lens. That's super insightful. So what what else have you learned over the last year and a half then that falls into that category about yourself where you're like, yeah, you know, I thought it was this, but it's really yeah. more about that. Or as I understand the deeper layers, it's really specifically about this. What's a, what's an example of that for you? Let's see. So I think one, which is similar to what I just said is that I really enjoy people, but only after I've built a relationship with them. So meeting new people or the idea of the standard networking where you go and just talk to a lot of strangers, really not my cup of tea. But if I can have a genuine conversation with someone for five minutes, then I'm completely comfortable all of a sudden. And what that's meant for me from a career standpoint is I can see, you know, there are obviously situations where I need to be out in front with clients and people I don't know. But knowing that allows me to build in some processes that help me get over that initial kind of hesitation. So setting up meetings in advance, kind of doing a little research about someone so I have more of a connection with them instead of just having to walk up blind and and introduce myself. It's not that I don't have to do those kind of harder situations for me, but it's that I am aware that those are hard. And instead of trying to avoid them all the time, I can be more intentional about how to navigate that more successfully. That's super cool. And what I hear you saying is maybe even example of how to work within your strengths versus mm-hmm. instead of you going to all the networking events and saying, I'm just, I just got to do this. This is something I just right. got to do. I'm just got to get better at it. Instead, you've adopted a completely different approach and said, hey, I know that meeting new people is important and that goal is important, or maybe I need to meet specific people, but I can work around it with my strengths. And something you do amazingly well is connecting with people one-on-one in very, with very insightful conversation and you're really great observationally and you come off as really, really genuine. And so what I hear you saying well, thank is, you. yeah, absolutely. And meant to be <laughs> a, a compliment. compliment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the more that you have been able to observe that about yourself, what I hear you saying is that you can work with that rather than against it mm-hmm. and develop processes that work, that don't push you into those areas of your, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, weaknesses. We don't believe that there are weaknesses, but more anti-strengths sure, or things that are not strengths necessarily. Yeah, for sure. When you think about your role and you think about over the last year and a half, what else have you observed that is just a much better fit with your strengths overall? And just give me maybe one or two examples of what that looks like. So it's easier to explain based on where it was before versus now. So the difference, I think, but I was in a client facing consulting role before. And anytime 
a client said something, it felt like you had to drop everything and respond and that they had to be correct. And I mentioned I like to be the one who makes decisions. So that kind of ate away at me a little bit. I'd kind of be muttering under my breath that, you know, I don't, I don't think this is the right decision. I don't think this is important and try to explain my point. But at the end of the day, I have to kind of go ahead and, and appease the client. So now that I'm not in a direct client facing role, I get to make decisions based on stakeholder input, of course. But at the end of the day, the decision is kind of mine if I can justify it with data and kind of rationale. And that I find really fun and empowering. And while I get to have a kind of a more fun relationship with clients where I can talk to them about kind of what they want and what they need without having to answer to that that specific individual directly. Does that make sense? That makes a ton of sense. And that that resonates with everything else I know about you too. That's amazing. Yeah. So let's go the completely opposite way for just a second here. And I want you to go way back to that point in time, maybe even three years ago from now or two years ago where you were in that other role and Mm -hmm. you already knew that you needed to get out of it, but we're trying to figure out what to do or how to go about it or what you should even be doing. Mm -hmm. So now that you're in that mindset for just a second, good or bad, then I want, I want to just ask you, what advice would you give to other people that are in that place right now where they know that they could make a change and want to make a change and what should they do based on your experience and what you've seen and what you've observed? Yeah, I think it sounds kind of cliche, but just be brave and make sure that you feel like you deserve it. And if you don't feel like you deserve career happiness, try to figure out why. And I think one of the the things that happened kind of outside of our conversations and before uh, I had found happened to your career was that I was kind of just feeling down all around. And the thing that actually kicked me into gear to feeling more confident and more like I deserved something different was that I did the Whole30, which is a diet. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but basically I I lost weight after having my daughter and felt like myself again. I think for women in particular, having kids can kind of mess with all sorts of things physically and emotionally. And so it was the first time I felt like myself. And then because I felt like myself again, I was ready to act on what I knew I deserved. But I don't think I could have felt that. I don't think I would have been ready for something like happened to your career if I hadn't first taken control of this other part of my life. That's really interesting. I don't think we've talked about that ever. And I think that's, again, see, here you go, being super (laughs) insightful again. You can't even help it. (laughs) But I I think that people do experience that again and again. And here's one of the crazy things that we see because I'm a data junkie and love the science and the research and the psychology Mm -hmm. behind a lot of what we get to do, the work with people. But we see again and again that often the people who we work with that are most successful the most quickly are those people that have done exactly what you've done where they are coming off some other type of small success or mm-hmm. even large success or change in some way in their in their life and have a little bit of confidence or it's a win that has been associated with that and that just yeah well and I think you put it really really well making sure that you feel like you're in a place where you feel like you deserve it that is yeah. awesome yeah 
because it's a lot of work, right? And if, if you're not committed or you don't feel like you deserve it, it's so easy to just say, well, I'll wait another day and that day becomes a year. But you have to be brave enough and feeling deserving enough to take the plunge and then dedicate some time and energy to it. Laura, this has been absolutely amazing. I'm always excited to chat with you, but this has right been, yeah, absolutely. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for making the time and taking the time amongst everything else with you know, <laughs> multiple kids and a role that is semi new in the last year and a half and everything else that's going on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. I hope you love that episode. That's the first time we've ever done that. As far as I know, there's nothing else in the world like that where they've captured snapshots. We've actually done that quite a few times and you can look for more of those in the future right here on the Happen to Your Career podcast. But I also wanted to let you know that if this is the type of change that you want and if you're ready to be done doing work in the normal way, the normal being good, but not great, the normal being not really maximizing your happiness, your potential, purpose, your fulfillment and meaning, and you've decided that you want something more, well, guess what? Every single person that we aired on this disappearing mini-series this week is somebody that we've had the pleasure and opportunity to be able to help through this challenging process that is career change to meaningful work. And we'd love to be able to help you too. Now, if that's something that you're interested, if you're interested in doing this in a way that is more, more rapid than you're going to be able to do on your own or more possible than would be without having help from people that have done this with thousands of people collectively, then, uh, you know, I want, I want you to email me directly. Let's just make it super easy. What I'll do when you drop an email to Scott, it happened to your career dot com and put conversation in the subject line. What I'll do is I'll introduce you to my team and we'll connect you to most likely our director of, of student and client success. And you and he will have a conversation. He'll ask you a bunch of questions and we'll try and figure out the very best way that we can help. The other thing I want to let you know too is career change bootcamp, which is one of the most successful ways that we've helped people make transitions. Like you just heard Laura, she went through our career change bootcamp program. And then months later, uh, you heard, you heard what happened. No matter what, we'll be very upfront with you about the best way that we can support you through this type of career change. Just drop an email. Scott, happen to your career.com. Do it right now to open it up on your phone and put conversation in the subject line. You don't even have to put anything else if you don't want to. We'll take care of the rest. We'll connect you and help you schedule a time and you'll have a conversation. It's no obligation in the conversation. We're just going to do our best to help and figure out the way, best ways that we can support you. Hey, we have so much more coming up for you next Monday, tomorrow on the Happen to Your Career podcast. And I want to, I want to give you a glimpse of what that's going to look like. I think what may look externally like, wow, it was so easy for that person to, you know, achieve what they've achieved. I tended to look at things, you know, very much of a sort of binary way. You know, if they're so successful here, then it must mean that they've checked all the right boxes. And that's, that's really only part of the analysis, I yeah. think. And I think, I think we Agreed. tend to 
forget about, you know, what else might be going on in that person's life to help inform where they are in that one silo, right? There might have been other things going on. All right, all that and more right here on Happened to Your Career. See you then. Adios. I am out.